This is a really important part of this report, which is to look to see who uh, among U.S. voters voted in 2018, 2020, and 2022. And one of the important findings is, is that Republican voters who voted in 2020 also turned up in 2022, at least were more likely to do so. Democrats had a drop off. Among Latino voters, 47% of Latino eligible voters, according to our report, didn't vote in either 2018, 2020, or 2022. Welcome to Politics is Everything, the podcast of the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. I'm Kara ong Whaley, And I'm Kyle Kondek. And joining us this episode is Mark Hugo Lopez, the Director of Race and Ethnicity Research at Pew Research Center, where he leads planning of the center's research agenda focused on chronicling the diverse and ever-changing racial and ethnic landscape of the United States. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So as a result of a number of issues, including, you know, how the census counts demographic groups and, you know, how we report voting patterns, there's a lot of nuance that tends to get lost in terms of understanding demographic groups and the fact that they're not monolithic. I wonder if you could just start us off by speaking about some of the nuance among Latino, Latina, and Latine voters. Yeah, it's, really, it's a really great question. And let me first say that you know, when, we talk, when I talk about uh, Latino voters, I try very hard to represent or reflect that nuance and that diversity by saying Latino voters as opposed to the Latino vote. It's a group of voters, not a group, not a voting block necessarily, because frankly, folks have different opinions uh, in this population. And that's another word that I use, population versus community, because uh, both have different implications for how we describe the diversity of the group. When it comes to Latino voters, I think one of the things that's uh, that's important to note is it's a large population. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about more than 30 million people who are eligible to vote in the United States. We're talking about a group that is in every part of the country and that traces its origins to many different parts of Latin America and even to Spain. And as a result, there's a diversity of view. So for example, um, Latinos have generally leaned towards the Democratic Party over the last uh, five decades of elections in the United States. But from time to time, we've seen a growing share and then a declining share support Republican candidates at the presidential level. But also, where does some of that Republican support come from? And this is where I think some of the interesting and nuanced stories are. And that is to look at places like South Florida. In South Florida, there were many uh, populations, uh, Cuban, Venezuelan, Colombian, Nicaraguan, all with different migration stories. And also, as a result, there are different links between U.S. foreign policy and those countries of origin. Cubans particularly have notably tended to lean more Republican than other Hispanic origin groups. And it looks like Venezuelans are similarly leaning more Republican. There are other stories as well. Um, just as with the U.S. public, men and women have different points of view. Latino men tend to be more uh, more conservative in their views and tend to lean more towards the Republican Party, though still majorities, at least in recent elections, have supported Democratic candidates, just like Hispanic women. Um, and there's an interesting generational break as well. Third generation Latinos tend to be more conservative and more Republican leaning than, say, immigrant Latinos who are eligible to vote. And that's also a pattern that's been consistent for many years. One final note, one group that I, one, one demographic that I think oftentimes gets overlooked in our conversations is about religion. And here about 15% of Hispanic eligible voters are evangelical Christians. They tend to lean very heavily towards the Republican Party and issues like abortion are important to them in ways that is not the case for those who have no religious affiliation. But 
again, these are just some of the nuances uh, when one talks about the population that are true across the country, but also have some very specific stories in localities like South Texas or Nevada. Um, it can vary tremendously across the country. Mark, uh, you wrote uh, a chapter for us in the, our, our book about the 2022 election, the Red Ripple, about the, specifically about the Latino vote. Um, you know, how would you characterize Again, and you talk about all the the nuance, both in your in, just in your comments, but also in in the chapter itself. Um, you know, I think that that Republicans, after making some fairly significant gains with with Latino voters, really across the country in a lot of different places in 2020, um, what do you think the story was about the the, the sort of broad Latino vote in, in in 2022? And and also just to just to piggyback on that. Pew also has this great new report out about the, the 2022 election more broadly um, that uh, that you all just released, I think, on, on Wednesday. Um, so, th- you know, there may be there are some points from that you'd, you'd like to uh, make, too. Uh, it's it's a it's a really interesting question because it looks like the gains that Republicans made with Latino voters at least didn't change in 2022. So, for example, in 2022, we saw that uh, about. 60% of Latino voters told us that they supported Democratic candidates. 39% supported Republican candidates. That's not much different from what we saw for the vote shares in our own validated voter study in 2020 for Trump versus Biden. Um, what's interesting here is that um, uh, uh, Republican gains and the question about whether or not they would persist outside of a Trump year has been one of the big questions about Latino voters. And Here, our most recent data based off of, again, a validated voter study. So these are people who uh, are part of our panel. Uh, We have an online panel of of survey participants. And then we, after an election, we go, we verify that they voted with local voting records. Um, So this is a a, a good estimate. It's an estimate. It's important to point that out. It's not not necessarily the total story, Um, but it does look like Republicans were able to maintain that uh, those gains that they made in 2020. I might add that 2016 was the start of some of these observed gains that Republicans have made with Latino voters. Well, in 2016, Trump won about 28% of Latino voters support. He increased it into 2020. So there was already a trend of increasing support for Trump, uh, at least among Latino voters. Um, 2018, though, uh, Latino voters were very, very strongly Democratic, and it looked like there was some loss in terms of Republican support. But more recently, it looks like this gains have at least persisted. I wonder if I can follow up a little bit more and ask you what might be driving some of those changes in voting patterns uh, that that we've been seeing. Uh, the new report that that you just released um, talks about asymmetric changes in voter turnout, and so I wonder if you might talk a little bit about how that might be impacting what we're seeing. Yeah, this is a really important part of this report, which is to look to see who uh, among U.S. voters voted in 2018. 2020 and 2022. And one of the important findings is, is that Republican voters who voted in 2020 also turned up in 2022, at least were more likely to do so. Democrats had a drop off. Uh, among Latino voters, uh, 47% of Latino eligible voters, according to our report, um, uh, didn't vote in either 2018, 2020, or 2022. And a significant share, about a third, uh, voted in only one or two of those three elections. So when we're talking about Latino voters, we don't, the vote, voter turnout has generally been lower. And also in terms of continuing to vote in repeated elections, that's also been a challenge for those who get out the vote for Latino voters in our survey and our, and our, and our validated voter study reflect some of that. So when we talk about 2022, 
Uh, it was a story of Latino voters perhaps not turning up at the same rates that they had in, say, 2020. No surprise, it's a presidential versus a midterm election, but also perhaps not turning up in the same numbers as in 2018. Uh, we need to do more analysis to figure that out, but that seems to be what the story is. Just to follow up on that, um, it, it seemed that looking over those elections, that there was actually lower turn turnout specifically among Democratic Latino voters and higher turnout among Republican yeah. Latino voters. Is is that your sense of change over time as well? That and is. then also maybe more broadly, if you might talk a little bit about where we're seeing those changes geographically. Yeah. If you have a sense of that. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's a great question. That's a general story that we see for the U.S. public overall. For Latinos, of course, this is also the same story because Florida had in 2022 a gubernatorial election. Uh, there was a lot of interest in what was happening in Florida, and there was a lot of interest in how strongly Latino voters supported uh, uh, Governor DeSantis, for example, for his reelection in 2022 compared to, say, uh, 2018. Uh, the, the, the level of support in South Florida, particularly, but generally across the state, is notable from exit polls that were published right after the election. Um, so yes, there is a, a geographic story here when it comes to um, Latino voters and where we may have seen some Republican gains, Florida being a big part of that story. I would note that the report from, from our um, good friends at Equis, uh, who do a polling of Latino voters, also shows some real nuance about how distinct the story for Florida Latino voters has been compared to the rest of the country. And I think in, in your chapter in the Red Ripple, you also talk a little bit about how Democratic Latino voters really help support Democratic candidates, particularly in the Southwest, like Arizona and Nevada. Yes. Yeah, so here, too, there's uh, the, the strength of Latino voter support for Democratic candidates. It's somewhat the opposite story than what you see in, say, South Florida, though it is important to note that in recent elections, we've seen, at least according to exit polls, some increase in Republican voter support for Republican candidates among Latinos in those states, but not to the degree that we've seen elsewhere, like in South Florida. So, of course, Arizona and Nevada are growing in importance because they're growing states. And in those states, Latinos make up at least a quarter, if not more, of eligible voters. So they're a growing voting group within those states. So how they vote, of course, has a big impact on those states. But they are more overwhelmingly Democratic in their support than Latino voters, say, in Florida. There was a theory that I saw sort of floating around after the 2020 election, which, you know, Donald Trump did a lot better with Latino voters than he did in 2016. Um, and, and also it was reflecting on the fact that that there, there's, there's some evidence, and I'd be curious about your opinion on this, somebody who's followed this for, for a long time, that, you know, George W. Bush in 2004 also did relatively well with Latino voters. And that, you know, maybe there was some sort of like incumbency effect or something for both Bush and Trump in, you know, in 04 and in 2020 that, you know, maybe if that's the case, then maybe Biden benefits it from that in 2024. Like, do you think there's anything to that? I mean, I, it's, I, it's probably a hard thing to try to, to prove or disprove. I'd say it's a very hard thing to try to prove or disprove because the, the, uh, Latino electorate in 20, in 2004 is, was much smaller and very different than today's Latino electorate. Today's Latino electorate is more likely to be U.S. born, for example, than it was back then. And also just it's uh, the size of it. I, I would I want to say that it's almost twice the size today in terms of the number of eligible voters compared to 2004. But 2004 is an important year to point out because in that year, it looks like uh, George W. Bush won anywhere from 40 to 44 percent 
of Latino voter support, according to the two exit polls that were done at the time. Um, and it's an interesting story uh, because it was across the board, it seemed. It was, and particularly in Texas, um, but certainly across the board. And as we were just talking about with the case of Trump in 2020, uh, South Florida played a role, but it looked like there was an across the board, again, shift, even in places with strong Latino support for Democrats, like in places like Philadelphia or New York City or San Francisco, there still seemed to be some, some evidence suggests some shift towards Republican candidates, or in this case, Trump in 2020. Um, so I do think that there's some similarities, I, 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 but I think it's hard to sort of show exactly what's happening because of so, so many changes in the, in just the nature and the, and the characteristics of the, of the nation's Latino voters. Um, I would also point out though, that there's another story here, Kyle, which is to think about the 1980s and how well Ronald Reagan did with Latino voters. Then, then he won about 35% of Latino voters supported 84, uh, which would be his reelection campaign. I, I seem to recall, too, in the 2000 Bush election, there was a very specific strategy to try to re-expand um, the Republican Party's outreach to the Latino population. I mean, that was a specific element of the campaign then as well. So we might have seen those effects appear in 2004 because of efforts that had started for the 2000 election. And I think we can't also rule out the importance of him being the governor in a state with the second largest Hispanic population. And so uh, that, too, makes it makes I think is an important point. And also he was a, a president who talked about immigration reform, uh, who also talked about the importance of bilingual education as a state governor. So in many ways, the policies that he would talk about were, in some cases, very important to Latinos in Texas, but also had implications for the nation. I think it's an important part of George Bush's story that we oftentimes don't think about in a Republican candidate uh, who was in support of some sort of uh, immigration reform and pushing for immigration reform. It's very different than where we are today. I wanted to go back more broadly to the to, to the, the, the the Pew report on 2022 that that came out on Wednesday. Um, I mean, it's a striking number just right here at the start of the report. You know, ninety three percent of Biden voters voted Democratic uh, in in you know in 2022. Ninety seven percent of Trump voters voted Republican in uh, in in, in 2022. Um, and uh, you know, it, there's always this this sort of push and pull and analysis. Like, is it persuasion? Is it turnout? Like this report, and again, different you know different sources come to different conclusions about these things. But it's like this report really just seems like you're telling a turnout story more than a persuasion story in the context of 2022. That's exactly right. This report uh, emphasizes the uh, the turnout story and how broad that turnout story is. Republicans who voted in 2020. Uh, tended to vote again in 2022. They uh, were more likely to do so. Um, Democrats, a majority did return to vote in 2022 if they voted in 2020, but uh, a smaller share did so than among uh, than among Republicans. And that is a story that also is true of Latino voters. Um, and so this is really a story of getting out the vote. And as you know, with Latino voters, this has been a long-term effort on the part, it's been a long-term effort on the part of many organizations to mobilize Latino voters partly because of how young it is. I think it's important to emphasize that you know, between any two given elections, we might see an additional 2 million Latinos become eligible to vote, mostly by young people coming of age. Between presidential elections, that then it would be doubled to 4 million or so. And that's a pattern we've seen for 20 years now. And, uh, and that means that there's a lot of Latino voters who perhaps are voting for the first time, which uh, increases the, mobil the mobilization challenges that any group or any organization might have. 
I, I actually wanted to ask you about that specific issue just because young people also are, are among this population um, who are not yet consistent voters. And this is something we think about at the Center for Politics and more broadly in higher education is, you know, how can we grow voters um, uh, as as one way to participate in politics and elections? How are you thinking about um, ways that the Latino population might become consistent voters? Or, or how should we be thinking about ways to both motivate voters and also address some of the structural barriers to voting? Well, over the years, we have found that uh, that just asking somebody to vote can make a difference. And here is where I, I think some of the challenges lie with Latino voters. Many live in states that aren't battleground states. So we're talking about a presidential year. Um, a state like California isn't necessarily getting the same level of attention from candidates let's say a state like Florida has in recent elections. Although I wonder what will happen in 2024, given how, how Florida seems to be becoming less and less of a, of a battleground state. But I think that that's been an important challenge for, for Latinos, which is that um, where they live are places that generally haven't been the focus of a lot of elections. And if you just look at California and Texas, that has almost half of all Latino eligible voters. Uh, so just asking can make a difference. But I think also when it comes to young people, uh, it's about uh, showing young people where to register, how to register, uh, how to vote. All those are important steps that matter. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned to you, but before I was at the Research Center, I used to be the director, uh, research director of the Center for Information and Research on Civic Learning and Engagement, or CIRCLE. <laughs> it's a really long name, uh, but we studied youth civic engagement. And it was striking how important it was to just ask uh, young people, no matter their race or ethnicity, to get out to vote. But also people need to be shown. It's not something that's inherent and in, say, oh, yeah, I got to go register to vote. Uh, maybe it is for people like like me who are nerds about this. Uh, but uh, for others, maybe that isn't the case. So it can make a difference. One sort of theme, I guess, in Democratic Party circles right now is and in, in there's this debate going on about, you know, kind of like white college educated liberals being like really progressive and really left wing on lots of different things. And, um, you know, voters of color be it black voters or Latino voters or Asian American voters, maybe not quite so much. And like, do you, what, what do you think about that sort of observation? Like, do you think that that is actually the case in terms of sort of just thinking about the ideology of people who are on the democratic side based on different, you know, demographic characteristics? Uh, it's an important point. It's a very interesting point. Uh, first, a basic fact um, among Latino adults, about 20% uh, or so have a college degree, at least a bachelor's degree. By comparison, among whites, that number is almost 40%. Among Asians, that number is almost uh, 60, 55, 60%. So Latinos have one of the lower uh, rates of college um, going, I'm sorry, college, completed college completion uh, compared to some other racial and ethnic groups in the country. They're matching uh, Black Americans almost now. There's been an increase, but they're matching. That means that a large share of Latino voters don't have a college degree, are not college educated, Many, particularly if there are immigrants who are eligible to vote, may have less than a high school education. So they're working class uh, folks. Um, some of the one, one comment that I heard over the last year um, in some news reporting was a comment from a Latino, uh, a, a Latino man who said, um, uh, why would I want to vote with the Democratic Party? Because all they talk about are issues that I don't care about. I want to be rich. Um, I'm not sure how much that matters, uh, but I do think that there is something there about a mismatch in terms of the um, policies that the uh, that the Democratic Party may be uh, pursuing or at least um, uh, advancing 
uh, compared to where Latinos are on some of those policies. Even on immigration, we have found that there's a sizable group of Latinos who say unauthorized immigrants or undocumented immigrants should be deported, or uh, who say that um, they're not necessarily in support of accepting refugees from Central America or people who are fleeing their countries because of violence. Um, so there is a mixed set of views among Latinos on a number of issues, including abortion, though I have to say here we've seen Latino voters and Latino adults generally move from being distinct from the U.S. public and sort of more split around abortion being legal or not to now being more like the U.S. public and having the view, a majority have the view that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. That has been a shift. And a gay marriage, that shift happened over a decade ago. You know, I guess sort of a related point about, I recall there being some criticism of Democrats kind of around the 2020 election that they were, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that we really need to think about Latino voters as, as having, you know, there's, there are lots of distinct pieces, demographic pieces of that, be it Cuban Americans or Venezuelan Americans or Mexican Americans, et cetera. But almost that Democrats were kind of looking at kind of talking to Latino voters in a sense that they're all sort of part of the same block, I guess. And that that's not, that maybe is not an effective way of, of, uh, of, of, of speaking to those different different groups um i mean do you think that's like that's a fair criticism i guess i specifically remember some talk about that in south texas where i mean hey the proof is in the pudding i mean the, the results for democrats were just not as good in 2020 and as they were in 2016. this is part of the story uh about how latino voters have voted in recent elections and also about this outreach effort that we were talking about earlier um here i think it's important to to, uh, in many ways, tailor the message to the stories of Latino voters in different places. And in some ways, there's evidence that the Trump campaign did that, particularly, say, in South Florida and in South Texas, whereas uh, with the broader message, um, uh, the Democrats may not have done as well or were maybe a little bit late to doing so as well in places like South Florida as they adjusted their strategies. Um, I might say that this echoes even some broader stories around even marketing. One of the things I think that's interesting when you talk to marketers about the, their realizations about Latinos in the last 20 years or so is that you need to tailor the marketing to the uh, to the group in the place that we're, that you're going to be selling your product. So if you were to have a display that shows a soda that you want to sell, but also has a Mexican pop stars, but it's in, say, a Dominican neighborhood, it doesn't quite resonate. Um, so I think that that's an important uh, lesson to be learned in that the tailoring these messages to Latino voters and their distinct characteristics can matter. I don't think that that's necessarily a surprise. I think that's what a lot of folks have done. And we oftentimes talk about the different messaging that happens to different groups of voters, whether they're college educated, whether they live in particular background states or, uh, but I, I, we should probably be doing this, be doing the same for Latino voters. Uh, it's, it's not a different story in many ways. It's very much the same. In fact, as one of my colleagues used to say, uh, every time I would say, you know, hey, Latino voters are just like other voters. And he would oftentimes say to me, Mark, you're proving yourself out of existence. Why do you keep talking about how they're the same? <laughs> because uh, then why would we need to have all oh, things like the Pew Hispanic Center if they're just another, just like everybody else? Um, but that's just a, it was an interesting joke from him. Was that also kind of that you, I think you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but that that has been the, the sort of historical story with um, different kinds of immigrant groups that become prominent in the United States. And over time, as, as um, you know, you have more gener further generations who are you know, actually born in the United States, that 
those groups kind of tend to sort of kind of, I guess, maybe assimilate more into the population and their political preferences sort of reflect that. And so maybe, you know, I guess the, the, the story could be that, you know, as the Latino population in the United States grows and um, become sort of more kind of uh, uh, genera- genera- generationally, um, uh, you know, expands over time or whatever, that um, those folks are going to just act politically uh, less distinct maybe than, than the, the, the broader rest of the country, if I'm saying that right. That's a really great, a really great question. And I do think that while we don't know for sure where everything will end up, um, we are in the middle of some important demographic changes to the Latino population. Uh, immigrants and immigration uh, make up about oh, less than half of, of, the, of, the, of the adult population of Latinos, less than a third now of all Latinos. And really the growth has been in the U.S. foreign. And what's also striking there is the fastest growing group are what we call third or higher generation people who are Latinos who were born here in the U.S. to parents who were born here in the U.S. And so this is really going to be the future of Latino voters as we go forward. It's going to be the group that's most likely going to be part of the population of the, the voter population. But we've actually were here before because prior to the wave of great wave of immigration that we saw post-1965, it was largely a third or higher generation uh, Latino population prior to all of that, uh, particularly the 1980s and 90s arrival of many Mexican immigrants. And back then, Latinos, uh, in, like I had mentioned earlier, showed some support for Republican candidates, including Ronald Reagan. So I do wonder how things will change. But one other piece of uh, change that's happening right now is intermarriage. Latinos have one of the highest intermarriage rates. And so how might that impact future generations of Latino voters remains to be seen. Demographics is not destiny. There was there was one other just thing I wanted to bring up from the Pew report that isn't really related to Latino voters, but was striking to me. And, you know, we know that. okay, so in your report, black voters were reported as voting 93 to five for Democrats, which is very, um, (laughs) very similar, familiar to to, to how black voters have have behaved politically in, um, uh, in, in past elections. But also that, you know, white evangelical Christians um, were 86 to 12, I think, for Republicans. And it was striking to me that white evangelical Christians, Christians are not quite as Republican as black voters are Democratic. We're like, it's getting pretty close or it's getting relatively yeah. close. Um, and that I don't know, that really just jumped out to me when reading this report. I don't know if you had any you know, op- observation about that, but I, I, just, I just thought it was kind of interesting mm. because, again, we know that that uh, white evangelical Christians have been a pretty Republican group, but but the, the the growth there for Republicans, I think, just continues. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think we also see it among Hispanic evangelical uh, uh, Latinos too. I'm sorry, Hispanic evangelical voters too. Um, although we don't have anything in this particular report because we couldn't, we didn't have enough sample size to be able to report them out. We do see similar patterns in our reports over the years. So it's been a pretty strong level of support for Republicans among. Hispanic evangelical Christians, um, just like you see for evangelicals overall. Yeah, just re- religiosity in general, like you know, church attendance. That's become a big, a big political split. You know, basically the the more often you attend services, kind of the likelier to vote Republican. If you're not attending services or a non-believer, you're maybe more li- you're lo- more likely to vote Democratic. But um, that's just you know a few of the great things in this report, um, which I I read in full last night. I recommend. You, you know, if you follow this stuff, you're listening to this podcast, you would benefit from reading. Thank you. And yes, I think it's a really great report. I think my colleagues over politics have done some fantastic work here. 
but I'm also glad that we can see the changes over time. That for me is really the important uh, element here is among different demographic groups, how has uh, their vote changed since 2018? Well, Mark Lopez, thank you so much for joining us on Politics is Everything. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Hi, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Politics is Everything. Editing and production was done by me, Kara Ong Whaley. Our theme song is Let's Boogie by Chris Fays. You can learn more about the Center for Politics and its work to strengthen democracy on our website at centerforpolitics.org. You can also engage with us on social media at center number four politics. We welcome your suggestions and questions for future episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.